You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Hi, welcome to Nick Luck Daily. It's Tuesday, the 28th of March. Uh, Nick's still away, of course, as he is all this week. Um, went on to, to Charlotte for her podcast yesterday. She'll be back again tomorrow. I'm with you three days this week. And I'm joined today by David Yates, newsboy of the Daily Mirror. Um, we are largely looking ahead to the, the, the start of the flat turf season at, at Doncaster. We are also going to start with Greg Wood's article in The, the Guardian yesterday, which questions the lack of Derby sponsorship, Dave, and whether or not the Derby would be better off with no sponsor at all, as opposed to a bookmaker sponsoring it. What's your answer to that? My own view is that I don't have a problem with a bookmaker sponsorship of the Derby, Tom. Um, it's a very interesting piece by Greg, as as all his pieces are. I must admit, I, I did feel slightly uh, like uh, calling the Samaritans as I read the first few paragraphs. It, it painted a... Um, a uh, perhaps overstating it say doom and gloom picture of uh british racing as we start the new flat season but it didn't uh, it didn't have me uh jumping for joy i have to say greg talks about the lack of an obvious champion uh Baid having gone uh desert crowns absence um also about the the stunning performance of equinox um at maidan on um uh, on Saturday, which he says is, is a potential bright spot if uh, connections come to the arc in October. That's a long way off. But um, he talked about the sponsorship or lack of it of the Derby and said that in view of uh, recent fines by the Gambling Commission and uh, just last week, um, Platinum Gaming, who own Unibet, will find two million nine hundred and thirty-seven pounds, two million nine hundred thirty-seven and five hundred ninety-nine pounds, uh, and thirty-two red will find four million one hundred ninety-five thousand six hundred and fifty-five pounds uh, for breaches of social responsibility and also anti-money laundering failures. And Greg says this is. Um, the the zeitgeist, if I can use that uh, word without sounding pretentious, is that the the wind essentially is causing the public to to question bookmakers, and that uh, it's not a good idea for our premier flat race to run under to be run under a bookmaker's banner. I hope I've not. Um, I, I I hope I've I've paraphrased. Uh, Greg correctly there. Uh, my own view is that I, I don't have a problem with it at all. It, it, it's um, we always get this phrase "blue chip" uh, in the racing media when we talk about sponsors of the Derby, and what we really mean by blue chip is anyone who isn't a bookmaker. Let's be honest about that. Kazoo, there were plenty of people who weren't particularly happy with the sponsorship of Kazoo uh, when they were announced as the backer of the Derby because they thought it was a bit of a uh, a, a down-market brand. It essentially sells second-hand cars. Um, I didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was potentially a very good way of engaging younger people because Kazoo sells second-hand cars uh, to lots of the demographic that racing is trying to tap into. Um, I feel that it's evident that the, the sponsorship with Kazoo didn't work out because they, they, they got out as soon as they could do, essentially. Um, they obviously felt that they weren't getting uh, what they wanted from the deal. Um, if we could get the likes of uh, Cartier watches... Rolex uh, to to sponsor our premier flat race, I'd be very happy with that. Or upmarket brands like Rolls Royce or something, then that's fine. But let's face it, they're not exactly knocking our doors down at the moment. With bookmakers, one thing that you get, which you don't get with the uh, blue chip brands who often come into racing and 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 don't really understand it and they they uh they run away as fast as and as soon as they can um bookmakers they sponsor races 
pretty much every day of the week. Every Saturday, there are races that are on terrestrial television that are run under the banner of a, a bookmaker. The uh, the Tote has sponsored the Cheltenham Gold Cup. Labricks and William Hill, I think, and 32 Red, actually, have sponsored the King George in the past. So those are two of our uh, premier steeplechases. Not the Grand National, but certainly the, the Champion Hurdle and the Queen Mother Champion Chase and the Stayers Hurdle at Cheltenham um, are... Uh, have been or are currently run um, under bookmaker sponsorship. So I don't see a problem with it. What we do know with bookmakers, some people might think they need to hold their nose uh, with a, a, a bookmaker sponsorship of a race such as the Derby. But what you are getting is a company that is in it for the long haul because obviously the, the symbiosis between uh, racing and betting and bookmaking is there for everybody to see there are no nasty surprises uh, for the people because they've already been involved with the sport for decades um bookmakers as we will uh, as as we know uh, are run by very sharp minds they will know how to market the race aggressively um i, I think personally it, i i don't see the problem what what greg is uh, apt to do in the piece, and I hope again that I'm not I'm not misquoting him. Um, he, he's essentially saying that uh, the the recent fines, and we've got another one uh, to discuss this morning, that 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 should disqualify bookmakers uh, from sponsoring a race like the Derby. I I whilst acknowledging that the 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 harm done to the individuals uh, in these cases, and also the the fact that. On the face of it, the the, the fines seem um, uh, the right course of action on the part of the gambling commission. Does this disqualify a whole industry from, uh, for, or indeed an individual company from being able to sponsor the derby? Uh, I say no. Well, Ben Keith is founder of Star Sports. It's worth pointing out that there is an ongoing case relating to to Star Sports and an individual punter, which Ben isn't at liberty to to comment on. But I spoke to him earlier regarding a, a bookmaker sponsoring the Derby. Here's what he had to say. Well, first of all, can I thank um, uh, yourself and Nick for inviting me onto your excellent show? Um, I think that uh, a true test of uh, moving moving on in the game is is reinventing, staying relevant, trying new things, and um, what you do on your show and, and and how you keep your podcasts fresh really is an inspiration and an example to all of us. Really, whether we, we're professional gamblers, bookmakers, um, you know, horse trainers, what we're promoters, whatever, is that you keep going, you keep fresh, you keep trying new things. Now, I sponsor the Greyhound Derby, um, and because I'm a bookmaker, I do lots of content for it. Well, so that means that in the run-up, there's interviews with trainers, um, there's visits to kennels, um, there's, um, you know, we'll do top Irish dog, top bitch, top um, whatever, do you know, you know, top trainer, you know, all, all specials, markets and stuff, which promote the race itself. I mean, you know, it's, it's we're very grateful as a sport and an industry to have outsiders sponsor a race. But I mean, it's let's be honest about it. I'm a bookie. I'm not going to sponsor a bottle of champagne or something. You know, if somebody is selling secondhand cars or champagne or, 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 or whatever, if we can get them to sponsor races, we're extremely grateful to them. But I mean, bookmakers pay 10% levy. I mean, um, I won't mention who, but a very uh, prominent person um, tried the old Virtue Signalling Act when he said, well, punters pay that. Well, they don't because professional punters don't pay 10% of their winnings to um, uh, the levy. Uh, bookmakers pay 10% of their profits. So, um, well, levy pays for prize money. I mean, all of this nonsense of endlessly trying to promote racing um, with uh, 
everything except betting. I mean, look, I understand that many, many punters bet with 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 different bookmakers who who they identify with. It's more about price than people. Much, much more about price than people think. Uh, the the legendary bookmaker Alan Kinghorn, who ran the Playboy Club and then he ran Kinghorns. It, one of the first lessons I learned as a as a bookmaker when I got on the rails was he said to me, Ben, people will bet with you for so many different reasons except price and it's the bookmakers who bet with you but the punters who bet with you um, because of price that you that you don't want anyway mm. but but the main connection is people backing winner you know yes of course it's nice to see the fashion yes of course it's, it's interesting to hear about the breeding and when you see a real horseman like John Frankham or somebody like that and they'll, they'll visit a horse in the yard and they'll discuss it's the, the body layout and all the rest of it that's all great but it leads to what what choice you're making to bet on and I mean I think that also um, I think that look uh, yourself and Nick Luck you attack the game every day with different fresh ideas different interviews you question things you you, you present um, opinion the game is built on opinions opinions are bets how are we to attract new blood and new bookmakers young people to, to, to be, try their hand um, to, to become bookmakers if essentially now it's commonplace for people to be extremely unpleasant and combative and, and uh, aggressive towards bookmakers. Everything's bookmakers' fault now. We're, mm-hmm. we're, 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 we're treated like uh, criminals. Well, I'm, um, I'm somebody, I'm somebody, Ben, who, 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 who really found a, I, I grew up with, a, with an interest in the sport, but really only found my sort of love and niche in the sport through starting to, to punt on it. So I sing from that hymn sheet. But at the same time, as a lover from the Derby, a lover of the Derby, I, it, there is something about its heritage where I don't know that it would definitely sit right with me were a prominent bookmaker to sponsor it. And I'm I'm sort of trying to tr- trying to level up my love of the sport and love of betting on it with whether that, it, whether that would be right or not. Well, I mean, to say, well, I mean, look, you're entitled to your opinion again. Right, I mean, there's lots of different runners in the book, and we're all entitled to bet on the one we want to. But um, I, I disagree with you absolutely. I think um, when you say um, that you, that, that how would it sit with you? Well, I mean, you know, we're not, we're not taking uh, this, this. Isn't like when Pablo Escobar offered to pay off the Colombian national debt. So <laughs> not to be extradited. I mean, I mean, like you know, you know, when you say it wouldn't sit right with me for a bookmaker to um, sponsor it, but how does our money taste any different to Savills Estate Agent or Don Perignon or whoever want to sponsor it? What, what do you mean the heritage people bet on the Derby every year? I mean, owners want their horse to be favourite. There's there's prominent owners over the years who back their horse in to be favourite because it, it's better for the for then the breeding to say well. Even if the horse got beat, it was favourite to win the derby. So, so what? But, you know, but this is it. Bookmakers, bookmakers pay. It's the bookies' um, uh, money, the levy that pay for the prize money. So why shouldn't we sponsor it? Uh, and and the fact we're having the conversation is is because there is a view out there that a bookmaker sponsoring a race like the derby would somehow detract from it. There, there is there is no doubt that 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 belief out there. Okay. I think that's an extreme minority, mm. and I and, and, and I think I think that, that essentially I don't know. Maybe we were both born on different planets, but I'm grateful for what I'm given. And if I was if I was promoting any race, and um, people want to sponsor it, um, thank you very much, and, and please have a complimentary box for the day. Mm. I mean, it, 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 this is a nonsense. Ben, great stuff. Great to have your opinion. All the best. I'm very, very grateful to you, and thank you very much um, to, to yourself and Nick, and always good luck. A real staunch defence, really, from, from Ben there, um, from, from the bookmaker's corner, were the opportunity to arise for, for a, a bookmaker to sponsor the derby. I confess to either using the wrong terminology with regards to it not sitting right with me or certainly not explaining myself properly, Dave, to... My point being that I have no issue with the book with a bookmaker sponsoring a race like the Derby. Were yeah, they were, were they the best option on the table? That with it Sorry, not sitting mate. right with me, no, no, fine. With it not sitting right with me is is purely 
I want the derby, the sports blue riband event, to be able to attract a company from outside the sport. I want the the to you know to it to be a be a Longines Shima Classic, a, an Emirates Dubai World Cup because I've just been in Dubai, a Lexus Melbourne Cup. That that's the issue for me. That surely our biggest flat race with its history should be able to attract something else uh and, and it, why is it that it, it it seems unable to do so the investec partnership i thought worked brilliantly i take your point about kazoo um it didn't work i think not just because it, it they jumped ship at the soonest possible opportunity but there wasn't that engagement there there wasn't the the sort of kazoo fanfare that i think we have with investec where they where they they had a so many different influences there they had cricketers there because of their cricket link up they they seem to produce a lot more content surrounding the derby which we haven't had over the last few years but i want there to be a big company out there that isn't necessarily a bookmaker but but that sort of transcends the sport that is able to do that why can't british racing seem to seem to attract those those companies currently yeah, that, that's a big worry. And and I, I agree with you personally. I thought that, that the Investex sponsorship was that marketed the race aggressively but tastefully. Um, and I was sorry when that sponsorship ended. Um, the kazoo didn't really work out. I say they're, they're ubiquitous in sport. I thought it would work out. Um, and I'm disappointed that it didn't. Um, well, D- Dave, that's an interesting put. That, that's sort of how it was. I remember the, the, I think we broke the news on this podcast and it was received largely positively because of this idea that they sponsored Everton, they sponsored Aston Villa, they were sponsoring the snooker. There could be this sort of cross-sport pollination attraction of fans, which ultimately wasn't achieved. No, and 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 they still, you know, I'm a I'm a big fan of snooker and darts, and they again they're they're still very strong in those areas, and as they are in football. So um, it seems that racing was the first out of the balloon, and and that's a worry for us. I think that in terms of um, of a sponsor from outside of the sport, I agree with you, Tom. I'd much rather that I say much rather. I would rather that it was either a fancy watch or a fancy car company or indeed just a a, a not necessarily a blue chip brand but a, a, a brand that everybody knows um but are we are we in the situation now that uh beggars can't be choosers we're at the end of march the derby is run at the start of june and as yet we don't have a sponsor um i, I would rather have a sponsor than not have a sponsor I, I would rather that that sponsor be a name from outside the sport because I think that uh, that those brands will market the race to people who aren't already in it. Um, not to say that bookmakers won't do that, but I, I would rather that it, it would be a brand from outside racing, but or outside betting. But if it's not, I'd sooner that we had that support and that it's marketed in a in, in an aggressive way um i i don't i'm not clutching my pearls at uh, the idea that uh, a bookmaker should sponsor the derby it sponsored the Cheltenham gold cup it sponsored the king george and the champion hurdle okay it hasn't yet sponsored the grand national but i don't have any objection uh, to it supporting the derby i mentioned the the star sports case there dave what are the facts that we we know currently this was a case that began yesterday in uh, London County Court, Central London County Court. It involves an individual called Scott O'Brien uh, of Knightsbridge. Um, he is claiming that uh, Star Sports failed in uh, their social responsibility towards him, uh, that he was a self-confessed compulsive gambler. And he claims that Star Sports should have uh, restricted his gambling in the the Mayfair shop uh, that the firm has. That was between September 2018 and March 2019. Uh, he is understood to have staked £419,252 uh, over the counter in that time and suffered losses of just under... £49,000. That was the first day yesterday, and as it says at the bottom of all uh, good law reports in the newspapers, the case continues. 
and William Hill, Dave, have been fined £19.2 million by the UK gambling regulator for widespread failures. Yeah, this is a big story. William Hill, the parent company of William Hill, have been fined £19.2 million for widespread and alarming social responsibility and anti-money laundering failures, according to the Gambling Commission. Um these include uh, a, a customer who was allowed to spend uh, to to lose twenty three thousand pounds in twenty minutes with uh, no checks as to uh, the, the his ability to do that financially. Another lost eighteen thousand pounds in twenty four hours. Um, another again no checks lost thirty two thousand five hundred pounds in two days. Um, 331 clients who had self-excluded from Mr. Green, who uh, owned a company owned uh, by the same concern, were then allowed to gamble with William Hill. In terms of money laundering, uh, one customer uh, spent £70,134 in a month and lost that in a month, and another £38,000 in five weeks, another £35,000 in four days. Andrew Rhodes, the chief executive of the Gambling Commission, said when we launched this investigation, the failings we uncovered were so widespread and alarming, serious consideration was given to license suspension, he said. Uh, However, because the operator immediately recognised their failings and worked with us to swiftly implement improvements, we instead opted for the largest enforcement payment in our history. So obviously uh, a record fine. William Hill pointed out that... Uh, the fines relate to a period uh, before they were purchased by their current parent company, 888. Uh, they say after William Hill was acquired, the company quickly addressed the identified issues with the implement- with the implementation of a rigorous action plan. What is quite interesting here, though, Tom, just looking at uh, the numbers, is that if we break down the 19.2 million and i can only surmise i can't I don't have the details of this but it's interesting that whg international limited which runs williamhill.com pays 12.5 million mr green which runs mrgreen.com pays 3.7 million and the william hill organization limited which operates 1344 gambling premises across britain will pay 3 million so it is perhaps possible to break that down into uh, betting and gaming. Certainly, the 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 it's possible to surmise. I think that um, the the two online um, parts of that, as I say, the twelve point five million and the three point seven million WHG and Mister Green, does that relate to uh, gaming? i.e. betting on the internet, internet, casinos, slots, etc., very much the the part of the gambling industry that um, the the reform is aimed at dealing with um, over the last 20 years, or does it relate to the part of the industry that we deal in, which is is betting? As I say, I don't know the answer to that, but certainly the way that the, uh, the fines are broken down lead me to think that it might well be more related to gaming uh, than it is to betting. But as I say, I don't know. Well, I was going through the, the Brocklesby uh, entries this morning and, and saw that uh, Dominic French Davis had uh, three uh, possibilities for it, all in the colours of, of ammo racing. Dominic joins me now. First of all, um, one, two, three going to run, Dominic? What's likely? I'm unlikely to run all three. I think we'll probably just run the one um, and we'll make a decision during the week. Um, they're both all three nice horses. They'll all win races as two-year-olds. Um, I think the, the most forward of them at the moment um, is probably Calic. Um, he's a Prince of Lear horse. He's been showing us showing us plenty. Um, and uh, he arrived he arrived from Ireland where he was prepared in Ireland by um, Rob Sinagua. Uh, and um, he knew his job when he arrived. And we haven't had to do a huge amount with it. Okay, so Calic is a is is a Prince of Lear. You've also got a, a profitable in the form of Cuban Thunder, 
and one other I'm missing, a Star Spangled Banner Valadero. Um, it, just out of interest, do, do they? I, I know you say Calic is the most forward. Do, do they have some sort of fundamental differences ability-wise? Is is there one you'd have a, a, a real hope for as the season progresses? I think they're all nice horses. Um, I, I, I very much like Cuban Thunder, the profitable horse, um, but he's a little bit more scopy, and um, he may well turn out to be a little bit classier than, than the other two going forward. Um, but as you know, two-year-olds at this time of year um, are very changeable, and um, six weeks can bring about a huge amount of change in a, in a horse. And um, you can be working three together, and one of them can be beating the pants off the other two and then six, two weeks down the line it, it's one of the others that's in front they all they all mature at different rates um, but at the moment I, yeah at the moment I, I think the Prince of Lear horse um, Calic look to me he's the most forward and the most obvious Brocklesby type okay when was your last Brocklesby runner? Uh, I've never had a runner in the Brocklesby no I thought that might be the case so is this is this um, you know, sort of three two-year-olds um, entered in it. This and obviously the Amo Racing link up. This this feels like a slightly different venture for you. Does it feel different? Uh, yes, and, yes, and no. I've always loved two-year-olds, um, and um, you, you try and buy as precocious a two-year-old as you can afford. I've never had as deep pockets as, as Amo Racing. Um, so it's exciting that we've, we've got those sort of horses to play with. And, and is this a permanent fixture, Dominic, or is it a sort of season-by-season season thing? I think it, it's a season-by-season season thing. Um, basically, Keir would like, wants his own, would like his own trainer um, in Felsted Court, um, and um, he's asked me to, to, to get the ball rolling. And um, at, some, at some point... Uh, when he when he has a trainer to to, to um, take over there, uh, they will be. That said, if you win a Brocklesby and do very well with some nice young horses, it would it would be remiss of Keir not to leave a few with you. Surely that that would that that be a realistic hope, wouldn't it? I'd hope that be the case. Yes. Okay. Listen. Um, thanks for your time. Good luck at the weekend and good luck for the season ahead. Lovely. Thanks very much, Tom. Well, talking of the uh, Brocklesby, trainer George Bowie joins me now, who's got three in the Lincoln. Um, and a blue point in the Brocklesby. Does, does he run? Yeah, he might do, Tom. Um, he worked nicely this morning and he's done done a few bits of work on the grass and, and seems to go nicely. But um, next few days will tell us. But he's, he's going the right way for sure. Uh, yes, uh, this is big time rascal. Um, one, of the, one of the many rascals over time. Um, have you got many blue points, George? Uh, we have got four, four or five and, and they... You know, different shapes and sizes, but they they seem to be sort of catching the eye a bit. A couple of later maturing types, but um, no, we, we like them. They they sort of seem to be standing out a little bit. Okay, of the horses in the Lincoln, so you've got um, Barada, Koi Koi, and Air to Air. How many go? I think at the moment we'll run all three. Um, Barada would be the shortest price. He he was a course winner on very soft ground. At the back end last year, um, just on his first start for us, and we kind of just sort of getting to know him a bit really then. And um, yeah, he would need a bit more rain though. His, his work is certainly better on softer ground, and you know his performances on the track are definitely better when there's um, you know soft in the going and, and even heavy really. Mile mm. be all right for him? I think so. Yeah, he's, he's sort of a horse who. Um, you know, he's got Doncaster form over a mile, Group 1 form as a two-year-old. So, um, yeah, the mile will be absolutely fine. And um, he, he needs riding with a bit of patience and a big field handicap seemed to suit him well. And was he the horse that... Was it just coincidence he ran at, he ran at Donny in, in November on, on his first start for you? Or, or was it a bit of a sort of... Was he a Lincoln horse in, in the offing, if you like? Kind of. Like, I think ever since he sort of came to us, he, he looked like a horse who was... He came down to a pretty nice mark. He won off 93 and it was the 110 rated two-year-old at one point. So um, yeah, he likes a straight track and he had form there and, and we gave him one run and, and it worked. And yeah, he's going to go first up there all being well. Um, Koi Koi has been gelded. Do you, has that sort of... I don't want to I don't want to um, be unkind to him, but he definitely had his quirks, didn't he, last year? Yeah, he did. And, you know, he actually dropped William Buick on the way to the start at... at the July course, and mm. you know he's 
he's a much more straightforward horse now, and he's done a lot of work. He'd be he'd be the sort of straighter of the three, and um, yeah, he, he ran very well on you know on decent ground at Ascot for Andrew Balding in the Britannia, and you know he's a horse who I hope we can have a bit of fun with in the, in the sort of top end handicaps this year, and um, he's training good, and you know same with Air to Air really, they're they're fun horses for those sort of Saturday handicaps and. Um, yeah, as a bit of an old old friend of ours, and um, he, he might pop up at some point. He was well behind Baradar in that race in 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 November, so so the, the market has it that he's not going to reverse form with him. Do you, do you think he'll struggle? Uh, he, he ran well on his comeback at Newcastle, and you know, he's a horse who really needs a straight track. I think if anyone looks at his form around a bend, he he just doesn't turn up around a bend. I know Doncaster was, but um, it was very soft ground. I mean, it was heavy, heavy ground that day, and. and Dan Musket rode him and just said he couldn't pick his feet out of the ground. So um, I'd hope that he'll run a better race. You know, they, they kind of want contrasting ground. So we'll declare three and, and have a look and see how we get on. Anything else for the weekend that we should be following? Uh, nice horse on Sunday. Possibly going to run all the King's men. Um, well-related horse who, who won well on his, on his debut for us after being gelded and um, it's been a bit of a plan for a while to come here and um, yeah he's training good he's likely to start in the six furlong handicap on, on the Sunday with North 95 and hopefully he might rate a bit higher as the summer goes on Kingman horse who got a eight pound rise for a, for a Lingfield success interest do you have anything anything in mind for him um, could he be a sort of you know, Royal Ascot handicap horse that sort of thing might be a Buckingham Palace type of horse possibly um, I think you know six, seven furlongs. He's probably got quite a long way to go to be a working horse, but he's he's not similar to a sort of type of Inver Park last year. And you know, if he can get on the right path, that's where we'll kind of be looking with him. I think okay. um, it just seems he seems a horse who is very straightforward now. Well, I didn't, obviously didn't know him as a colt, but we gelded him as soon as we got him, and, and he seems to be going from strength to strength. How's Al Dasim off the back of his, his run in the Alcors, which I, I guess you were a little disappointed with? Yeah, he's um, he shit back yesterday and seems all good and I'm a bit frustrating, but I think you know more than dwelling on that, you know, he had an amazing winter and you know he if someone had told me he was going to get a beat three lengths in the in the Alcors from a mid nineties rated two year old when he went out there, I'd have been delighted. So. Um, yeah, he didn't. The complexion of the race was a little bit strange compared to what it usually is, and the, the, the race sort of came together on the far side. And you know, he got tapped for toe a little bit, hasn't run a bit fresh early doors. So, no, look, he's a horse who I think, back against his own generation, could be um, could be pretty dangerous. He's you know, he's rated 112, and, and in most Commonwealth Cups, that should see see him certainly run in the first. First few. Anyway. Will he go straight there or have a run before? Um, we'll see. He's there's a chance he could go to Haydock, um, but you know he'll have a he'll have an easy time at the moment, and um, you know we'll make a plan in the next couple of weeks, probably. Thanks, George. Tom Anchors. Well, it's Tuesday, so time we went around the bloodstock world with Weatherbees. Uh, we are heading to Germany today. We're largely focusing on one stallion, that is Best Solution, who is very much in the Weatherbees stallion book and on the Global Stallions app as well. Uh, if you haven't downloaded that, be sure to do so and get your hands on a copy of the Weatherbees stallion book, the best place to go for all the Global Stallions out there. Um uh, best solution is uh, now standing at Gestut Lunzen. I hope I've said that right. Nicholas Schenker and Tommy Witt, who who set up the farm. Uh, Nicholas, I'll I'll come to you first. Um, tell before we come to best solution, t- tell me about Gestut Lunzen. Correct me if you if you need to, and 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 why you set this up. Um, yeah. Good morning. Um, Gestut Lunzen is um, a small farm we set up, yeah, in the triangle of Hamburg, Bremen, and Hanover, and obviously that's why. And um, yeah, we wanted to start a place of our own, you know, and uh, you know, do something fresh and new. 
And um, yeah, so we started 2015 together, Thomas and our families moved from uh, Bavaria, where we worked at um, Gestüt Ammerland for um, 10 years, roughly. And um, yeah, there where we, that's where we met. And that's where we decided to yeah start Gestüt Lünzen. And uh, when you say, sorry, sorry, Nicholas, um, when you say start, you know, something, something new that that was that was you and Tommy doing something new for yourselves, was it? Yeah. Or, or yeah, that's something new for ourselves and a new farm because in Germany we're not getting a lot of new farms. I mean, more the older ones closing down, but not a lot of new ones, mm. uh, you know, starting. So that's why we said, yeah, we try to do something. Tommy, was was this a, a big risk at the time, or did it, or did it feel like a risk at the time? Um, well, to be honest, of course, uh, it always is a risk to go into self-employment and, and start something from the ground up. Um, but as I knew Nicholas, um, from work in Bavaria and I knew how good we work together and where, um, our strengths are, um, w- who is doing what, um, it felt to me like this is the best time and, and the best partner to do it with. And so, um, yeah, of course it's a risk, but, uh, I think because of our, um, because we even each other out, balance each other out with our knowledges, um, it didn't feel like such a big risk. How do you you split up the work between the two of you? Do you do you do largely similar things? Do you do very different things? Um, well, in the beginning, of course, we both did everything together, um, from working with the horses, um, um, doing all the work outside, building the fences, and so on, uh, because it was just the two of us in the beginning before we actually had. Uh, people to work for us. Um, by now, as we developed in such a big start, basically, or bigger start than we actually started as, um, my job is more to uh, run the farm outside, work with the horses, do everything with the horses, make sure outside everything is all right. And Nicholas is doing more of the um, office work, organizing, um, hay, straw, food for the horses, all that is uh, Nicholas' uh, part of the work. But when it comes to the foldings, to the coverings and so on, we still do that together because of the fact that we know each other so well and uh, we basically don't have to talk and we just know what each other, what the other one is doing. Mm-hmm. I hope that neither of you were up late falling overnight. I, I know we're in falling season now, but I, I hope you I hope you got a you got a night's sleep last night. There's 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 nothing imminent, is there? Oh yeah, there is. Uh, oh yeah, I was on full watch this night tonight. So we get with one mare that's overdue quite a bit, and yeah, she was, yeah, keeping me up all night. So how's she doing? Oh, very good, apparently. But uh, yeah, she has no intention of falling soon, even if she's four weeks overdue. So yeah good i hope she gives us six more minutes at least um uh okay so tell tell me about best solution tell me about how important for the farm his acquisition is um well we as we say in germany we came to him like the virgin to the child more or less um that's how we say it in germany um it started off with with the syndicate. There's a best solution syndicate of three big farms in in Germany that acquired him, um, and they approached us if they uh, can send him here to our place for a while because he had a um, let's say a bad reputation. Um, and as we are fairly well known to be able to handle difficult horses well. Um, they asked us if he can come to our place to have a bit of a, um, bit of a break in between seasons. And, um, then, um, it worked out very well. He felt good here. He never made any problems. Um, and the, the syndicate saw that he, he was in good hands here. And so they asked us if he could do, um, a full breeding season with us. And um, 
that's what happened last year. And um, now he's still with us and he's probably going to stay with us for at least another season. Um, and then we see what happens. Um, and he's been, that that has been great for us. I mean, at the time we already had one stallion, uh, um, Akon, um, who we stood up here and we actually thought, this is going to be it. We're going to handle him and uh, the visiting mayor as well. And then, um, yeah, the syndicate approached us about best solution. And suddenly we had to, um, well, make new plans and start uh, planning for more mayors to visit, which we um, were able to do and um, handle very good last year. And so, yeah, that was for us a big step in the right direction, big step into the breeding side and um, becoming more a stallion farm. He's, uh, and again, you know, if either of you feel free to answer this. He he seems numbers-wise, um, and, and, and I have no intention here of, of um, denigrating the, the German breeding industry compared to to around the world. But, but sort of numbers wise in Germany, he seems to to be putting up some some decent numbers, right? And, and have been been very well supported. Is that fair? Yeah, it's fair to say the first couple of years, uh, he covered about 70 mares, which is for Germany quite a bit, obviously, because, you know, we have so not enough brood mares in Germany to too many stallions basically but no um yeah he did very well and even in the last year and this year he's apparently you know for this season so i think that's fairly good for german standards so so where is the german breeding industry now and you know i i, I pose that question off the back of a Torquato Tasso, for example, uh, uh, what seems to have been a, a, a hugely positive last few years for, for for German horses, for German bred horses. Are you feeling an upturn, do you think? It's difficult to say, really. Um, I mean, we Germans, we like to um, paint more black than, than yellow, I would say. <laughs> um, but... From what you can see, I mean, we breed with the little broodmare stock we have in Germany. We build, uh, we breed really good horses internationally, well, um, accepted. good, well accepted horses, um, and and that's a good thing. Even though the numbers are falling in the last couple of years, but I mean, with the pandemic and so on, you could see why. Um, the breeders, especially the smaller breeders, want to keep the money more in their pockets and say, oh, I'd rather leave my, my brood Maranti this year. Um, but we, we, we still breed good horses and the, the big farms like, uh, Brümmerhof or, or Röttgen, uh, Fairhof, they still bring out these good horses and then they are able to market them well at the different sales. And um, I think internationally, um, the German breeding is well respected and accepted um, for what it is, a, a good, well-organized um, breeding. And and largely horses that stay pretty well, although that's, uh, that's oversimplifying, I know. I, I guess Best Solution is interesting because... He was a Kodiak who stayed. What, what what are his offspring like at this early stage, and how have how have they done at the sales? Um, they they've done really really good at the at the um, last yearling sales um, with an average of I think twenty twenty two thousand euros uh, per um, yearling. And the trainers seem to be very happy with the two-year-olds. Um, there have been a lot of uh, entries for bigger races, uh, bigger two-year-old races. And that's, in my opinion, opinion what the uh, syndicate tried to achieve. And what the German market needs, some you know, exactly, early horses. Uh, to, to cover this, bring some early horses in with a stallion that is known or at least in the family, known for bringing early horses. Mm. And uh, tell me about the the mares on the farm. How, how many mares do you have? How many foals do you have on the ground currently? Um, currently, we have about 12 foals uh, on the ground, another 10 to go, I think. 
And um, in total, we have about 30 mares at the moment. Yeah. So it's, it's like so yeah. this is this is in uh, sorry you say six seven years so it's 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 has it has it sort of grown already beyond where you thought it might be in that time oh yeah period? oh yes it has and it's next year it will be <laughs> like three times the size but you know because we started this year to you know acquire a new farm with, uh, which is even bigger and you know to where we can stand more stallions and stuff so yeah we uh, yeah it's a lot bigger than we ever thought really so but this. Yeah, this is this is sounding this is sounding more yellow than black now. This is sounding very positive. I think. What, <laughs> is there a is there another? So, so if you want more stallions, what 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 type do you need that that sort of you know, a, if you like compliments, but also offers something different to to Akon and Best Solution and 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 how soon could you have another stallion on the farm? Um, the plan is at least to do it um, next year and um, to see where we you know to with the new cells and the the other thing is what we want to do is you know obviously the dream is to uh, um, buy our own, our own stallion yeah preferably from england but um for now the idea is that we can um, offer the service of for other farms they don't want to stand stand a stallion because you have one stallion that's quite a you know undertaking to do with the staff these days and all that kind of stuff so lots of people want farms don't want to have their own stallion on their own farm they want someone else to do it so um, we want to basically start a stallion station if you will and um so where where we will stand the stallions for other farms and you know do the yeah everything around the breeding side and stuff and marketing and and that is something obviously you both feel very adept with you know yeah. being able to entrust other people that 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 or other people to entrust with you the care of their horses and you can say we can get the process done as it should be and and hopefully it bears fruit at the end of it yeah exactly yeah great stuff it's been really really interesting to talk to both of you um it's exciting how the the farm is growing and uh i, I wish you you both and the whole team all the very best for the future yeah thank, thank you very you much, much. dave the annual pilgrimage to bally doyle yesterday um start the season stable tour from from aiden o'brien's what leapt out at you one thing well i think the most obvious news story was that august rodin could well be a triple crown horse and currently stands as a second coming. Yes, indeed. I, I suppose perhaps it's not as has started uh, a season by saying that um, a, a particular horse could be a triple crown winner or um, the, the, the best that he's ever trained. Of course, August Rodin is very much uppermost in uh, the classic betting at the moment on uh a pretty flawless campaign as a two-year-old that um, concluded with victory in the Vertem Futurity at Donkster, a race that we know um, is um, has been uh, a springboard to classic success for Bally Doyle uh, trainees in the past. I, I, I wasn't at this yesterday, Tom. I think reading between the lines, um, a journalist said to Aidan, uh, could this horse do the triple crown? And he said, if we have a triple crown horse here, then it's August Rodan, which I suppose is is not the same thing as 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 the trainer volunteering that he thinks this horse can win uh, the triple crown. And obviously, August Rodan, as the trainer said, he believes he will come into his own over 10 and 12 furlongs, possibly uh, 14 and a bit. Um, but I suppose if we were talking about Little Big Bear, uh, the the winner of the Phoenix Stakes by six lengths um, last summer, he's he's a horse that is untried beyond six furlongs. And if he gets a mile, I don't think he'll get um, a, a yard beyond a mile. So, I, I'm not. I'm not sure that Aidan O'Brien was actually saying he thinks that August Rodin is a triple crown horse. He's, he was merely answering questions. Say, well, if we have one, uh, it's him. Both those horses worked at the Curra at the weekend. Um, Little Big Bear is still on course. Thing is, remember that we didn't see this horse uh, after he'd won um, the Phoenix Stakes. Uh, by seven lengths from Persian Force. Remember that uh, he kicked a wall before that race and, and sustained a foot injury. That meant that he didn't step up to seven furlongs for the Dewhurst Stakes uh, last year. But he's on course for the Guineas. Uh, Aidan O'Brien, he said that he thinks that Little Big Bear will stay a mile, but 
also just had a plan B in the back of his mind that if he doesn't, then sprinting is an option. Um, what else have we got? Um, he, he, wouldn't, he, he wouldn't be... Sorry, Dave, he wouldn't be the first Aidan O'Brien horse to come back and win a... a um, actually, I was going to say a Commonwealth Cup. A July Cup as well could be on the agenda. You, it, it's... You know, you've you've got the option, haven't you? You try them as a guinea's horse. If it doesn't work out, Commonwealth Cup, here we go. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, Victoria Road, who re- memorably won the, uh, the the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, looks set for a French campaign, the Poule de Cédé, Poulain and the Prix du Jockey Club. Uh, we've got trials forthcoming for um, Hans Anderson, Denmark, Alfred Munnings, Adelaide River and... Alexandropolis. I hope I pronounced that last one correctly. Um, we we don't have statuette in the one thousand guineas. Um, Aidan O'Brien said uh, she's had a bit of a hold up, and I don't think she's going to make the guineas. Uh, Meditate, who will go for the Phillies Classic, worked at the Curra this weekend, um, and I think that this broke before uh, the the visit to Ballydore yesterday by. Uh, the I think the Irish racing media Kiprios will miss the first half of the season and uh, so so won't I don't think defend uh, his title in the Gold Cup at Ascot and interestingly they've, they've moved the tiles around the board there and Emily Dickinson um, a I think it's fair to say a, a high class but one paced filly over a mile and a half um, she scored over two miles on her final start as a three-year-old. That was at the current October. She's going to uh, be Kiprios's deputy. So that's pretty much, I think, the um, the news from Ballydore yesterday. August Rodan's last start was, of course, in the Vertem Futurity, a win at Doncaster, and Doncaster welcomes to start the flat season, flat turf season this weekend, Dave. The, the key news there being... Uh, entries for the the link and a back where I think everyone would want them to be, um, and that is being put down to to more prize money on offer. That's a that's a pretty simple equation, isn't it? Yeah, who knew? Um, the Lincoln its prize fund was boosted from a hundred grand to a hundred and fifty thousand. Um, Sixty two horses were entered uh, for the Lincoln in 2020, uh, 2022. That uh, increased to a hundred and fifteen. Um, what is it? Sixty-nine horses. Uh, um, yes, indeed. Came through at, at yesterday's five-day stage. So, yeah, indeed. You, the, I mean, this is a, this is some increase of fifty uh, percent uh, to the prize money fund. And uh, surprise, surprise, it's attracted more connections who want a piece of the pie. It's a bigger pie. It's, it, it most certainly is. Um, I don't suppose you've got a tip for the Lincoln, Dave. But have you got a tip for today? You might have a tip for the Lincoln. We've talked about the great races in the uh, British racing calendar. I'm going to go to Wolverhampton for the 5.30, a classified stakes over seven furlongs. Number four, Gatwick Kitten, uh, ran with plenty of promise first start for the resurgent Ed Dunlop. Asheen Murphy on board again this afternoon. And I think that Gatwick Kitten can make amends for an unlucky run on his stable debut. 5.30 race at Wolverhampton, selection number four, Gatwick Kitten. Dave, thank you very much indeed. Uh, That is it for today, Tuesday the 28th of March. Charlotte will be back with you tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm -hmm.